0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, we break down the recent surge in COVID-19 cases affecting the NFL schedule heading into the postseason. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. What was your biggest takeaway from the Chiefs' victory over the Buccaneers? Really, the goals of this
1: team are still all ahead of them. I mean, this is kind of a, a bigger uh, bigger picture type of thing here. It's not necessarily just directly from this game, but I, I guess kind of. I mean, usually these non-conference games, they can trip teams up because they really could be like that ultimate trap game, right? You're talking about a team that you play against l- literally like never. Buccaneers, what, if we played against them 12 times in, in history? I mean, it... You never play these teams. You maybe get a chance to play them in the preseason, but obviously there's no preseason this year. Uh, You you just really never get an opportunity. I mean, instead of coming out and, like, you're hesitant against this team, you don't really know how they play or whatnot, you don't really know the coaching staff that well, so you're kind of feeling things out or whatnot. Instead of doing that, this team comes out and they're firing on all cylinders. I mean, there was slight hesitation by Travis Kelsey away from from him throwing a touchdown pass on their first drive. So, I mean, then they come out on defense, they force a three and out on their first defensive drive. Uh, obviously, Tyree Kill has the crazy first quarter, uh, so on and so forth. But but they come out, they're firing on all cylinders on both sides of the ball. They're looking really good against a team that they just never really play. So. I mean, that tells me because, look, you can afford to drop a game against a non-conference opponent and still be a top team in the AFC standings. But these guys are coming out. They're still playing for that bye week. They're still holding out hope that, hey, maybe if if the Steelers trip up, we're going to have a better conference record than that, you know, or, or something of the sort. They're playing knowing that these next five games can be the deciding factor in whether they become repeat Super Bowl champions or not. And and it's not just from a win-loss standpoint either. But you look at the final games of the 2019 regular season, and those games really, they they tested the Chiefs, and they set them up to respond to the adversity that they met in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think the goals of this team are still ahead of them, and I think that they're going to approach each week moving forward that way, no matter who they're playing. Going into the Broncos this week and AFC West rival or, you know, going to face New Orleans Saints later in the season or the Miami Dolphins later in the season. You know, some of these other teams that are ascendant that they're that they're playing against. As I said, the goals of this team are still ahead of them. I think that's something that that we're going to see week in and week out from this team.
0: What made Tyreek Hill so unstoppable during Sunday's victory?
1: The Buccaneers, I mean, at first, they just went out there and lined up against Hill thinking they had the talent to get away with that. And there are a few teams that actually have the talent to get away with that. Uh, they didn't even shade safety help over the top until it was too late, which, I mean, that that's just disrespectful at that, at that point. Because we're, we're talking about one of the fastest, one of the most dominant receivers in the game. And I'm not just saying that because he went off, but like we know this about Tyree Kill, we know that he is that good, that he's capable of that, and they just didn't show him that respect right away. So Bruce Arians and Ty Bowles, they they vastly underestimated him, and they got left holding the L because of it. But look, they also were without their fastest fastest cornerback, uh, Jamel Dean, in this game. He he was out with the concussion, so. I feel like maybe things would have been different if they had him uh, and could have matched him up with Hill. But, I mean, they didn't adjust until Hill had torched their defense for over 200 yards and two scores. And even when they did adjust, they gave up another 66 yards and a score, which I think is a testament just to how incredible Hill is as a player. And then also, you know, the other weapons on the offense. Because when they did adjust, that's when Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins... Some of the running backs, uh, some of the other guys got involved, too. So um, it's one of those things where you got to kind of pick your poison when you're playing against the Chiefs. Who are you going to take away? Who are you going to defend? And in this game, they were getting hurt so bad by Tyree Kill, I think they had no choice but to eventually
0: try and take him away. Are you surprised by the lack of success from the defensive line not getting to Brady enough?
1: Uh, I think I'm probably in the minority here, but I felt they actually did a pretty good job of getting to Brady kind of when it mattered the most, because he was off balance really throughout the first three quarters of the game. He really struggled on third down due to pressure. Um, And it really kind of led to a lot of possessions, extra possessions for the chiefs offense. And they capitalized there. I mean, I mean, you you have Chris Jones who's getting mauled basically every game by by two guys. He sometimes even three. I mean they're 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 taking him away. They're doing what they can to take him away. Um, Alex Okafor and Mike Dana were both credited with a half sack. Frank Frank Clark would have had two more quarterback hits than than he had. I think he had one. Uh, he would have had two more had he not roughed the passer. And really, Andy Reid said after the game that he was happy with Clark because he was getting there. They, they just need to clean up the swipe to the helmet and, you know, make sure that he's not getting called for those, those roughing penalties. But, um, you know, they had 13 total pressures, I think. Obviously, you want to convert some more of those into sacks. But when you're getting off the field on third down with the pressure that you're sending, I mean, I think that's, that's telling. That's a good sign that, that the pressure's getting there. I mean, obviously, you'd like to see more sacks. You'd like to see, you know, the pressures probably up in the 15, 16, 17 range on average. But if you can get away with a 13-pressure game and, and come out of there with a win, I think, I think that's okay. And obviously, the secondary, the pressure kind of helped there, too. We saw with Tyron Matthew coming in on that blitz and Bashad Breeland getting the interception and then uh, Tyron Matthew getting an interception later in the game. So, you know, the pr- pressure's turning into the turnovers. Obviously, offense has to do a better job of capitalizing. They didn't do anything with those two turnovers. It- it's coming together, and I think that's what you want to see at this point of the season because, you know, l- the last thing you need is one of those games where the defense is completely listless, kind of like, you know, it was against the Raiders in, in Week 11 there you don't want those to stack up. You need to see those types of improvement from game to game because that gives your guys the confidence that, hey, we can do this. We can be a better team. We can be better when push comes to shove when the games are on the line. So I I think that's going to give the team a lot of confidence that this game uh, will do that. And and I think that, you know, we are a little concerned right now about the defensive line, but I think... In the grand scheme of things, so long as we're not facing a, a crazy offensive line like the one they have assembled over there in, in Las Vegas, I, I think this team's going to be able to get some pressure.
0: What should the Chiefs expect from a struggling Denver Broncos squad this week? Well, well, we're not getting Kyle Shermer uh,
1: in the revenge game from the former Chiefs practice squad or, and we're not getting a, a practice squad wide receiver playing quarterback this week. The The Broncos did activate all of their quarterbacks from the reserve covid 19 list yesterday, with the exception, I believe, of the one who had tested positive. But um, I'd say that the, the Broncos aren't going to roll over and hand the Chiefs a win. I mean, Denver has lost 10 straight to the Chiefs, and that's just brutal. But this is still an AFC West rivalry game. We also have to consider their, their starting quarterback just got off. Uh, uh, he, he had a week off because of COVID-19 exposure. As soon as he went to that reserve COVID-19 list, the coaching staff should have told Drew Locke, look, you, you're moving to Kansas City right now, uh, and, and you need to figure out what you can do to put this team in a better position to win games. Because you look at the last two games against the Chiefs, and Locke's thrown three interceptions, I think his first game, he had a 45% completion percentage. His last game was a little bit better. I think he had 60%, but it still wasn't good. And, you know, he hasn't thrown any touchdowns. He's rushed for one touchdown. But you're not going to win against KC if you're giving their offense extra possessions by throwing picks. And, I mean, in the end, I think they revert to kind of run heavy on offense and try to protect Locke with some short you know, one read throws, rollouts, whatever. Uh, but I, I think it also kind of comes down to their head coach a little bit too. He's a defensive-minded coach, and he needs to figure out a way to stop the Chiefs offense because the past two games at least have been blowouts in favor of the Chiefs. He hasn't been able to to figure out how to stop these guys, and his teams have been heavily outscored. So I, I think a combination of those two things, you're going to have to look for a better game from, from Drew Locke and a a better defensive coaching game from uh you know the head coach there if the broncos are going to come out and maybe you know surprise or uh you know give the chiefs a, a tough time and not just see kind of a repeat of the past two games
0: and as always are there any particular stories from chiefs wire you would like to highlight from the past week as always we've got a ton of great stuff on chiefs wire for you this week
1: we have our usual uh, post game features recapping the Chiefs' win over the Bucks in Week 12. Great stuff from uh, from Mitch and Ed and, and all the guys there. Um, if you haven't checked out our our story on Andy Reid's response to Travis Kelsey's failed TD pass, that's a must. Really, really funny response from from Reid there, and just kind of an interesting outlook on it and. Yeah, you know, Travis Kelsey, he's been going after that uh that touchdown pass for a couple of years now. And th- they seem determined to get it to him this year. <laughs> he's had a couple chances, but uh that that one, unfortunately, uh a, a, a bit of a bummer. And uh on Tuesday, we had a ton of news about shoes. If you're a shoe guy, yeah, you probably loved our, our website. Literally, we changed the name of the website to The Shoe Wire. No, I'm just kidding. But um, we had two stories on the NFL's My Cause, My Cleats campaign and Patrick Mahomes. We also had a uh, gallery of his new custom shoe with Adidas uh that it's designed after uh, his alma mater white house house school uh, high S- house school good grief white house high school there we go a little tongue twister there for you uh designed with the the high school in mind has their team colors and what have you um uh, coming up really starting today is our all of our preview content for week 13 As always, we appreciate everyone for tuning into the podcast and reading the website. We're very thankful for all of Chiefs Kingdoms for supporting our work and analysis every week.
0: We'll catch you guys next time. Go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire podcast we are back and it's that time again it's time for the Chiefs Wire roundtable I'm joined as always by Talon Graff and Mitch Carney guys another win for the Chiefs this time against good old Tom Brady and the Buccaneers how are we feeling right now Talon you first
2: hey you know got the way they got off to that hot start and obviously that first quarter with Tyree Kill and and uh his his big outing it was, it was cool to see obviously he got close to the end but Um, I never really doubted the Chiefs were going to win. It it was great to see them come out and and firing all cylinders. And the way that Buccaneers were playing defense against them was just a head-scratcher. But it was great to see that type of win.
3: Yeah, it was super fun. You know, it was kind of a tale of two halves. The Chiefs had, you know, a really fantastic first half. Um, And then, you know, in the third and fourth quarter, the offense just kind of slowed down, made the game a little closer than what I wanted to be. But it was still very entertaining. It was always fun to beat Tom Brady. And it was kind of a a statement game for Tyree Kill as he really showed off to be, you know, one of the top receivers in the NFL.
0: Exactly. I I mean, it's funny because when you see that first quarter, you think there's no possible way. And and to the Buccaneers' credit, they kept it close. You think there's no possible way that this game would even come down to a three-point win. Uh, It's – just Tyreek Hill, and and you know we don't we talk about all the different weapons. We talk about Travis Kelsey. We talk about Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and his importance. I mean, I just feel like there's not enough said about him. And you look at, I believe he leads the uh, the league uh, leads all wide receivers in yards. So he's having an incredible season. Let me just ask you guys this: because of just how big a game he's had, what do you think it's going to take for just for the chiefs in general for Mahomes to make sure he's still featured in the offense. Cause you know, teams are going to try and take him away. Uh, kind of like how the Bucks were, were trying to do towards the second half and they slowed him down a bit. What do you think the, the chiefs have to do on offense in order to still keep him involved? Even when he's going to be double team, possibly talent, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Yeah. So the offense is so, there's so many weapons that go ahead and double Tyree and try to double Travis too. Um, there's someone going to be manned up and rather, and yes, DeMarcus Robinson and, and uh, McCall Hardman are not at the level of Hill or Kelsey, but they're still good enough, you know, NFL wide receivers to beat somebody one-on-one coverage. It's just pick your poison for defense. Is it, you know, if they shut down Tyreek, someone else is going to step up. If they shut down Travis, which nobody has yet, someone else is going to step up. So yeah, if they want to double Tyreek, I still think he's going to get some yardage. He's that, he's that good. He's too fast. He's too skilled. So, yeah, I, I think that no matter what, Hill and Kelsey are always going to be in the game plan because they're just, they're just too good. And if somehow a defense does take one of them away, some of the lower-level guys will be able to step up. Mahomes is just too good. He's he's going to find a way to put points on the board.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's there was one play in the game wherever it looked like uh, they are doubling Tyreek and Travis Kelsey, and, you know, it was a uh, – basically a touchdown to mccall Hardman, but he dropped it i mean so like if they want to go ahead and do that it's just going to make it worse on other teams um you know that's why i think the return of sammy Watkins is so huge just because he's such a reliable option that if you want to double tire equal double sammy walk i mean double travis kelsey um they're going to find a way to get it to the other guys like sammy Watkins and mccall hardman and so it's going to be impossible to cover everybody on this team so Travis Kelsey and especially Tyreek Hill are always going to be a big part of this offense, just because even if they're not getting targets, they're definitely getting that attention.
0: I definitely agree. You know, it's all these different weapons. And I remember one part of the game and uh, Tony Romo was on commentary. He, he actually pointed out how the Bucks were making, they were making such uh such an attempt to just try to get Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill out of the game. And I believe that very same play, uh, um Demarcus Robinson caught the he caught the pass like he found a way to be open and it just goes back to just the Chiefs having all these different options all these different weapons at their disposal so uh, it's like it's funny because can we say and, I'm, and this actually wasn't a question I was going to ask but just the fact that we are on this topic can we actually say is this more because of Patrick Mahomes that these guys are getting open the way they are can we? Are we going to say, like, because of the way, like, he's managed the offense and the balance in regards to just, okay, we don't have it, we don't have Kelsey, we don't have Hill, we're not going to force it, we could just kind of spread it around? Is this something else that maybe this was his next level that uh, Mahomes didn't have his first two seasons as a starter? And, uh, Mitch, I'm going to start with you on that.
3: Um, I think it's just kind of a mix of, of everything. I think it's, you know, Patrick Mahomes being such a great quarterback that he is. 'Cause it's just it's not all just talent with him. He definitely has the brains to do it. Like you can tell he's like smart enough to be an NFL quarterback that can last, you know, fifteen, twenty years in the NFL. I can see him, you know, lasting just as long as Tom Brady. But he's got the perfect coach Andy Ree, who's a crazy offensive minded coach. He's got Eric Dianemy, who's probably gonna be a head coach. And then he's got these all-star talents around him that makes his job so easy. So I think it's just kind of this perfect mixture. But yeah, I do think Mahomes has a little bit to play with it. Um, you know he doesn't have to force anything. He's smart enough, and you know that's just why this offense is so good and why it's probably the best offense this NFL has ever seen. Just because this is kind of a perfect mixture of everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of it at the beginning of Mahomes' tenure as a Chiefs guy, you know, nobody really knew what to expect. Everybody thought the potential was you know sky high, but you know what, you know what is potential really? Um, so nobody really knew how good this team was going to be, and at the beginning you know, back in 2018, his first year as a starter, there was Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey was already very well-established, Tyreek Hill had already kind of made a name for himself, so he was able to lean on a lot of big-name players. Um, not saying that he, you know, that's the reason why Mahomes is as good as he is, but building that chemistry and not having to be, like, as good as he is now that early, I mean, yeah, he threw 50 touchdowns that year, um, but – in all reality the growth that Mahomes has made now and the confidence was built because of the playmakers around him and the fact that he got to sit for a year i think there's this it was just a perfect storm and and mitch alluded to you know the coaching staff which is huge of course so i think it was just Mahomes had a golden opportunity to sit behind Alex Smith learn the playbook not have to be thrust in, in a, as a rookie and then he came in as a second year guy he had built chemistry off the field with his playmakers um, and now it's just everything's gelling so well they have so much trust in each other everybody knows the playbook everybody knows where to be when to be uh, and everybody just seems to be on the exact same page and I just think it has grown in to something that the NFL really has never seen before.
0: I agree completely. And and it's so interesting that it happened against Tom Brady, who many considered to be the greatest of all time. And there were some years where Brady was kind of that guy where you were like, I've never seen this before. I've never seen a quarterback take command and be this dominant outside of Peyton Manning really. Cause it was only two quarterbacks you talked about in that type of situation. I feel like Mahomes, even though, he, you know, he even said it in the off season, I'm, I'm going to learn the offense and I'm going to learn how to just do different things and not just rely on my ability. So I just, it's something you can't ignore, and I believe that's going to make him down the line amongst the greatest of all time, if not the. But uh, on the defensive side of the ball, there were some good things we saw in this game. In the, in the secondary, there were some good plays being made, but there was a huge concern, and I know you guys probably saw it as well. Frank Clark with the roughing the passer uh, penalties in that uh, fourth-quarter drive for the Bucks. What what were your thoughts on this when you first saw it? And um, Talon, I'm going to start with you, just with Frank Clark, who's a a veteran, a guy you should know better to have back-to-back penalties like that on a drive. What what was your thoughts?
2: Bro, I got so hot when I saw that. Um, Yeah, I was pretty heated. The fact that not only are you getting paid very well, but, yeah, you've been around the league for a while now to where you know the rules, you know you can't hit a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. they're very protected. We all know that this has been in place long enough now where teams have to adjust to it. It's inexcusable now. And the fact that it almost looked like he went out of his way to strike the face mask, like his arms were like at his chest and then he went up. It's like, what are you doing? And it, it got me so heated because he hadn't been performing. He and Chris Jones, in my opinion. Uh, and I know they like to call people out on Twitter for calling them out. Well, guys play freaking better. I, I Ugh, sorry, but, yes, it, it got me very hot when that happened.
3: Yeah, so my problem wasn't with uh, like kind of what Talon said. Like, he hasn't really been performing the last couple of weeks. Like, we haven't really seen him, you know, put in a lot. Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like he hasn't put in as much effort as he did, like, kind of in the postseason. I mean, from what I know, there isn't really any injury problems that he's dealing with right now. So, like, so if he was, like, getting to the quarterback every play, and, like, he was making an impact almost every play, you know. Or, like, we just saw a little bit more effort. And then, like, okay, like, near the end of the game, he just he just messed up and he had those two to rough, the passer things. But it just kind of seemed like he, you know, just then decided to really you, know, really, you know, put in a lot of effort and then he ended up getting penalized for it. So, like, maybe if we saw more effort before that, then I would have been okay with it. But it just kind of seemed like it just came out of nowhere and he ended up getting in trouble for it. So, I just kind of have a little bit of problem with it. I'd like to see a little bit more consistency from him.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was very shocking. And uh, Talon, I do share your same sentiments as well. It was uh, frustrating to watch a veteran guy, a guy that just knows better. You can't – you just can't do that. You know, especially – they're going to call everything when you're going against Tom Brady. They're just going to call it. So it, it was so obvious to the point that it was insulting to even the refs if they didn't call it. Uh, Frank Clark's got to do better. But then when I look in the secondary, obviously, Tariah Matthew got a uh, – he got an interception in the game you saw you saw basically what we were kind of talking about last week Brady's inability to consistently throw the deep ball. the chiefs will not have that type of situation every week, but as a good segue into uh, this upcoming week's game against the Broncos where you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I think this could be a similar situation uh just what do you guys what do you guys feel about the secondary? Obviously, they, they played well enough to win against against Brady and the Bucks, but they could be going against a Broncos team where we have no idea who the quarterback's going to be. Does that make it easier to prepare or harder? Mitch, I'm going to start with you on that. I just don't know at the moment because
3: I don't know if Drew Locke's going to be back. I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. So I guess that makes it a little bit harder, especially if they have a like legit quarterback out there because I'm assuming this practice squad wide receiver is not going to be the starter again. Um, so I'm assuming they'll have some type of quarterback back there. So I guess that makes it a little bit harder because you just can't really game plan for it. But, uh, I'm not really too worried about it because I just feel like whoever they have back there, the Chiefs have to get enough defense that they can get the job done. Um, but our, I do think our pass rush is going to have to help the secondary out a little bit more and just get to them because, uh, I do think the, the Broncos do have some, you know, they do have some players like Noah Fant, uh, Jerry Judy. Um, there's a couple of other players that I can't think of at the moment, but uh they've got some really good players that can really make an impact. So if uh if the Chiefs aren't getting a pass rush, I can see the secondary, you know, maybe struggling a little bit, but I don't I'm not really too worried because I just feel like whoever they have at the quarterback's not gonna be good enough.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think in in terms of the quarterback question for the Broncos, you know, they've seen they've seen Drew Locke. They have film on other guys, you know, Driscoll started a game. Um and who is he, who is that third quarterback for them? Um, I can't even think. But they're, they're, each quarterback has started at least once. And then – so uh, the Chiefs are familiar with these guys. There's film on them. They, they, they know how to prepare. And then, you know, the Broncos just signed Kyle Shermer, The Chiefs are very familiar with him. So, uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about the quarterback situation, you know, with the whole, you know, who's starting. The Chiefs are going to be prepared for whoever it is. Um, and, and they know what the Broncos like to do. Uh, you, you know, and, and Andy Reid knows – the offensive coordinator over there, Shermer. You know, obviously the the father of Kyle. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think it's an issue. I mean, we saw what happened the last time the Chiefs played when Locke was in there, and and yeah, it's you know Judy's going to be a good player. No offense, going to be a good player, um, but there's a lot of growing to do. So I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I think it I think it's going to be fine.
0: It's uh it's definitely going to be an interesting situation seeing. Kyle Shermer as the starting quarterback, possibly, for the Broncos that week, knowing his history with the Chiefs and at one point had a chance of really making the team when, uh, when Chattahenia went down, uh, I believe it was last year. So you never know. It's, uh, it's always a, this league is very funny sometimes in the way it works. So the Broncos do come into Kansas City. They, they need, it's a must-win game for them, you know, and considering all the COVID situations that they were dealing with and, and the whole quarterback room deal, This could be another one of those trap games I like to always bring up when you're talking about a division opponent. They want to make an impact. They're in a must-win situation if they wouldn't have any chance at a wild-card spot. Is this another game, and I've asked this in the past, that the Chiefs should be a little bit cautious in regards to how they play them because Denver's going to be playing like they they just need this game. They're going to be playing like it's their Super Bowl. So – is there anything, any type of adjustments that you feel like the Chiefs should make in preparation for that type of energy? And Talon, we'll start with you.
2: Uh, nothing major in terms of adjustments. Um, and, and, and I don't think this is a game where, you know, the Broncos are they, – they might swing, but they're going to miss. You know, I don't, I don't think this is going to be a close game, but I could, I could be wrong in, the NFL, in any given Sunday. Um, but no, I think the Broncos are have too much adversity right now. Um, you know, Coach Fangio came out and kind of called out his his quarterback, so they might have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. If they are able to go, they might come out, you know, ready to, ready to go and, and looking to take down the the giant that is the Chiefs. But I, it's not enough. Um, you know, it's one thing to want to do it, but to have the talent and the guys around you and and, and the momentum to do it is is a whole other thing. So, yeah, the the Chiefs have struggled in the in the division this year it's it's a fact outside of that 43-16 victory over the broncos the first time lost to the raiders barely beat the raiders barely beat the Chargers. so yeah it's not out of the question this is a close game but i i just don't personally see it being one yeah i agree i don't think there's anything
3: different that the chiefs need to do um i think the chiefs are such a good team that they can be anybody on any sunday so as long as they you know stay focused and they don't look ahead this should be an easy win for the chiefs um, but the big thing is it's not looking ahead. Um, you know, they, I guess they can look at the Broncos and think, like, oh, they have, they've been struggling the last few weeks. Let's just focus on the next opponent. But I think Andy Reid kind of knows what he's doing, and he's going to make sure that they're ready to go.
0: I do agree, but like I said, I'm always a, uh, a big component of just you, you have a team that you play twice a year. They're still a rival regardless of the record. You don't want to fall into a trap. You just hope that they're on top of them. So we're all – you know, we could actually jump into this a little early. And let's get our predictions in. Who wins the game and what's the final score? Mitch, you're up first.
3: I have the Chiefs scoring uh, 34 points. I think our offense is too good to slow down right now. Um, So I got the Chiefs scoring 34. And then I have the Broncos having some success on offense. Uh, I'm assuming one of their quarterbacks is going to be playing, rather it be Drew Locke, Kyle Shermer uh, or just go any of them. Uh, I think they'll have some success just because I don't think our second and our second right our pass rush is going to get there. I think they'll continue to, uh, you know, kind of take some plays off or just not be there, not play there 100%. So I had them scoring 20. So I got the chiefs winning by two touchdowns, 34 to 20.
2: Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Uh, I, I am very much on the same page as you, Mitch. Um, Actually, my final score is going to be 37-20. to 20. It's it's crazy how close that is. But, yeah, I share the exact same sentiments as you. I think the defense might just struggle a little bit. Um, not a whole lot. Not enough to really make this a game. But, yeah, 37-20 in,
0: in favor of the Chiefs. Okay. You know what? I'm going to – I'm not going to go as close as I usually do when I talk about divisional games. But I do – the Broncos are going to throw – they're going to throw a couple of punches, like you were saying, Talon. I don't know if they're going to connect as much. They might connect a little more than Nate Robinson did at that uh, fight this past Saturday. Um, <laughs> I, I know you guys have, have probably seen it, or they had to have seen it already. You know, this is this is the internet. Um, but I do think they're going to put up a bit of a, a battle with them. And I'm going to go Chiefs 35. We'll go 35-17 Chiefs. That's that's my final score there. It's uh, – it's a, it's a game that the Chiefs just need to get done. They got to take care of business, move on. And this actually segues into my other topic. And we, we've touched on it a little bit throughout the year. But now, since we're seeing cases rise even more, the whole COVID situation, especially with this Baltimore-Pittsburgh uh, game, that is going to be played eventually. And it's going to be played on a Wednesday. That's the, uh, the switch now. It's going to be a Wednesday afternoon. And if you're listening to this, the game is obviously over, but I do want to just address the fact that the game had to be moved as many times as it did, especially when it was expected to be played on Thanksgiving night. Guys, I want your thoughts on this. Do you feel like the NFL because of the rise in cases should just take a full week off? Everyone just take a full week off and kind of reassess their situations and just get back to it because it's getting to the point where you can't keep pushing games and it messes up the entire schedule would they've just been better off just taking a full week off to just kind of check, like, do a, a personal self-check in terms of each team? And uh, Mitch, would you to go first on that? Yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea. My only fear would be that, like,
3: because they have like a week off, players aren't going to follow protocols and they'll kind of treat it like a bye week and maybe go out and do stuff. Um, you know, and that could just make things worse. However, I do think it's kind of smart. Uh, just because I don't know what they're going to do, you know, come near the end of the season and, you know, Pittsburgh or Baltimore and maybe a few other teams need to squeeze in a game there. And it might have, you know, major implications on the play- on the playoff seedings. So I don't really know what they're going to do. I think it's something we need to consider, but uh, they'll need to make sure that their players are, are following protocols and not going out and just making sure everybody gets healthy and, you know, doesn't have COVID.
2: Yeah, I think for me, it would have to be a very drastic – and I'm not saying like – it's not drastic already. I, I understand the, the weight of what's going on, but I think it has to be much, much worse than what it is now for teams, you know, for the NFL to even consider, okay, let's just throw on an extra bio for everybody. I, 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 what I would rather see is them like get to the end of the season and then, okay, playoffs start two weeks later, like have a two week buffer between the end of the season and when the playoffs start. Cause you know, we're in week 12, let's or, or getting ready for week 13. Um, there's not much that, not much to go in the in the regular season. Uh, we kind of know who the major players are. Everything's kind of already you know sorting itself out outside of a few divisions. Um, so no, I I don't think it's there yet to where teams need to just you know halt everything. I think the NFL. I know there's a lot of problems, but the way they've handled it, there's been no cancellations. There's been reschedulings, but you know what? Going into the season, everybody knew this was not going to be a typical season. Everybody knew. You know not exactly what to expect, but they knew this was going to be an unprecedented thing, and there was going to be at some point games shifted around. Um, so yeah, I, I'm okay with how the NFL has kind of been handling it because this is not an easy thing to, to maneuver around. You got 32 NFL teams, you got this pandemic going around, you and, and you got all this travel and crop, you know all that stuff going on. So I'm okay with pushing games back a few days. I'm okay with that. I, I would rather see the playoffs go off without a hit. So I'd like that two-week buffer in between the end of the season and the playoffs.
0: It would probably be the best thing to have that buffer, like you were saying. It's uh, it's unprecedented times. You know, we've heard that um, it's probably so much in this past year that that's what they might as well just call 2020, unprecedented times, you know. But it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL continues to balance it because, remember, they, because they had to move that game to Wednesday – they didn't had to have an extra Monday night game added. And uh it's the schedule just is sort of is, is sort of in a weird place. And I, I do believe the um this kind of this kind of messes everything up for the Steelers, because the Steelers weren't having this issue. It was more of a Baltimore issue. The Steelers now have to play on even shorter rest. And it, it just it is so much of a of a competitive imbalance. And I get what you're saying, they know ahead of time, but it's just not really fair. The, the Broncos situation is also something that I do want to address. Them finding out the last minute that all their quarterbacks weren't eligible and having to start a practice squad wide receiver who played quarterback in college, but yet he was just signed to the practice squad, I believe, two weeks prior. So the guy was just signed two weeks prior to the practice squad as a rookie to play wide receiver, and they tell you, hey, guess what? We need you to start at quarterback against the New Orleans Saints tomorrow. Explain to me how can the NFL justify putting the Broncos out there knowing they don't have a quarterback, knowing that they are going to be at a disadvantage and just play a game. And uh, I'm just curious for you guys for your thoughts. So uh Mitch, what do you, how do you feel about this situation?
3: Uh, Yeah. So I don't know the, like the full situation, but I think just that quarterback room is having issues with COVID. Um, so I kind of get it, I guess. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's really cool. I think they should have moved it, but I guess I kind of get it because that was the only position. So like, unless you have like a, you know, a complete outbreak on your team, I don't think you should just cancel a game. Cause like, we're going to have to get through this. Like, this is like a legit problem now. I mean, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of player. There's been a lot of teams I've had to miss, you know, maybe a player or two, Uh, you know, a week, you know, in a certain week because they have COVID or because they are on this COVID list. So, I mean, it just, this, it just kind of sucks and it sucks that it was every single one of their quarterbacks, but I think that's just how 2020 is right now. Um, so it's kind of unfair, but, you know, I guess they should have followed protocols a little better because I, I heard that they weren't wearing their masks in the meeting room or something like that. So um, I think it's just as how it is, how it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of one of the situations that had it happened to the chief, of course I'd be upset, but it's like, you know, you're not going to reschedule a game unless there's there's like a massive outbreak within the entire team. And like Mitch said, it was just the quarterback. So yeah, I mean, that's too bad. I mean, (laughs) it it sucks, but it is what it is. You know, it, um, you know, have a practice squad quarterback, you know, be, be a little prepared better. You you're it's, it's week 12 of an entire, you know, this, this season that it, you know, this crap show, you might want to have a little bit of foresight just in case. Right. I mean, I, I just, I think it's preparation and um, you know, I, I'm not saying that the Broncos are at fault. I know they're trying to, you know, do extra work or whatever, but it just kind of is what it is. Like Mitch was saying, and 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 it's, it's a terrible thing that they had to do that, but hats off to Hinton. Um, you know, obviously he, he's not a quarterback. He He wasn't even really truly a college quarterback. He, you know, he did, a, he did what he could have done, and, and the fact that he was able to step in there and, and, and do what he did, it hats off to him. I, I, I will have the utmost respect for that guy. You know that, That's awesome. Hats off to him. But, um, yeah, it just is what it is. You know, There's nothing really there, – there was no warranting of really rescheduling that game. It was just – it was contained in the quarterback room. It wasn't the entire team. You could put out a team. I mean, just go find a quarterback. I
0: don't know. It, yeah, it's just, it's just too bad. I mean, it was—you're talking about a guy that was just signed to the practice squad as a wide receiver two weeks prior. So he was—he wasn't in any training camps. There was no way of just learning the playbook, and they just threw him in the very next day to start at quarterback. is is insane when you think about it. I heard that the—and uh, this is actually something—it's—is because I, I'm just really curious about how the NFL is going to handle COVID and how it's going to affect you know teams moving forward. We're thinking playoff teams now. I had mentioned uh, in a past episode about the they were talking about possibly doing a bubble scenario for the playoffs. I think that's something that they have to really push now, considering all the the rises and and how it's affecting top players. Lamar Jackson being a top player, for example, with the Ravens. I think having Lamar Jackson out it not only hurts the credibility of the matchup against the Steelers and the whole plan moving forward in regards to what's going to happen with the playoffs because the Ravens are a team that's sort of like on the border right now. It does hurt the – in my opinion, and this is where I want to get you guys your opinion as well, it hurts how valid a Super Bowl champion is going to be this year. The same way in the NBA, there's a bubble champion, and uh, in baseball, in terms of like the way the rules, and everything had to change. And if the Chiefs were to win the title this season, and this would be back-to-back – will they get the same appreciation and respect that past champions that went back to back like the Cowboys for example like they got like will they be considered in the same breath or will people say oh well it was because it was a covid year and you know players got sick and they had to change games around so it doesn't really count do you think this would hurt the legacy of this team if they were to win a championship i'm telling what are your thoughts
2: no i don't think so i think a lot of it depends on how the playoffs go i mean If they get to the AFC Championship and face a Ben Roethlisberger absent Steelers or, you know, the Steelers are missing TJ Watt or something, maybe, maybe it's tainted, maybe it's tarnished. But, um, no, I don't think people are going to look back and, you know, if the Steelers win, if the Saints, whoever wins the Super Bowl, I don't think people are going to look back and be like, well, had that been a normal year, they wouldn't have won. I don't think that's going to happen. Um again it's all dependent on what happens in the playoffs so as of right now no I mean everybody knows how good the Chiefs are everybody clearly the Steelers are one of the best teams in the league um so no I don't I don't think it's going to happen and once you get to the playoffs those teams have earned that spot and I think outside of the NFC East any of those teams that get or win the Super Bowl are deserving of it so I don't I don't think it'll be tarnished
3: yeah there's not really too much more I can add to what Talon just said but you know, I don't think people are going to look back and think, oh, man, like like the Chiefs were like some wild card team that just got lucky because, you know, every quarterback they faced was out because of COVID. Everybody knows the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the league. Uh, so it's just kind of like how the Lakers won it. Like the Lakers are obviously going to be a favorite this year in the NBA. So I don't think it's going to tarnish, I don't think their legacy is tarnished too much. People were kind of assuming like, hey, they had a really good chance to win it, just like the Chiefs do this year. So, I mean, I, I'm you know, it might be tarnished for maybe like a year or so. Like some people, some people might say, "Oh, it's just because of COVID." But you know, whenever we you know are five or ten years down the road and we look back, people aren't really going to think of it like that. They're going to think, "Oh, the Chiefs won back-to-back Super Bowls."
0: I mean, that's what we're hoping for. We're hoping that whoever wins the title, if it is the Chiefs, that they do get their their respect. But. it it just just maybe these last like two or three weeks and how much the NFL has changed from even the start of the season there was already a ton of protocols to begin with but now they've had to update the protocols in regards to everybody wearing a face mask um, even on the sideline Uh, and even the another big change that doesn't really get talked about I feel like as much as it should the uh, 49ers can't play at home anymore They, they possibly can't play at home for the rest of the season or even the playoffs you know and they're forced to play their home games in Arizona. I just feel like that is such a – that's another uh, example, in my opinion, of an unfair advantage for any other team. It's like you're forced to now leave your home in the middle of the season, in the middle of a playoff run, or trying to to earn a playoff spot. I I just – that's the part right there that throws me off and and why I say, like, the NFL has to – take the week and just hit the reset button on what we're going to do, how are we going to assess this, and how are we going to give guys a fair shot? Because it's, that's a lot. You know, and I, just curious what you guys' thoughts on just, you know, if you're the Forty dollars, and you have to play in Arizona and have to work out of an Arizona facility that's not your home facility as you're trying to make a playoff push, do you feel like they deserve to have some type of sour grapes? Uh, Mitch, I would start with you on that.
3: I mean, yeah, I feel for them. It, it's kind of rough. I don't know if they were allowing any fans. I don't think they were, but uh, so I don't know if it's going to be too much of a difference. Like you know, I don't think it's going to be too much of a different atmosphere uh, playing on a different field. But you know, it does suck. They're going to have to change some things up. You know, they're probably not going to be used to some things. But I think they'll adjust and they'll be all right. Uh, hopefully, they're able to you know at least have a somewhat successful season for the rest of the season. But it's rough. It's just kind of how 2020 is right now.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, and it's it's a pain in the butt. But you know, a, a great NFL team, or really a good any great football team at any level, you have to learn to adapt, and you have to learn to to, to make best of what's going on. And, and they're they're definitely being thrown adversity right now. But the Forty ers have faced adversity all season with all their injuries and and all that, and they're still sitting five and six. So uh, I don't think it's going to be that. Big a deal? I mean, yes, it's 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 a it's a thorn in the side and it's something you have to deal with. But you know, they're it's not like they've never been in that stadium. They're they're within that division. They play there at least once a year. Um, so it's not like they're having to go play in Vegas or they're you know. It, I think they're going to be fine. It's not that big a deal, in my opinion. Um, you know, in the NFL, you you play half your games on the road anyway. Uh, so I don't know. It is what it is. So. It's too bad, but, again, you got to adapt.
0: I like that talent. It's like, you know, I, I feel bad, but not, not really bad. You know, it's, it is what it is. I respect it. <laughs> if it was the Chiefs, let's be honest, if it was the Chiefs and they said, okay, you guys have to go play in, um, I don't know, you got to go play in Tampa Bay, that would, be, that would probably be a problem, wouldn't you think?
2: No, I don't think so. And the Chiefs are so good, it did not really matter where they're playing. And that's, that's, that's the bottom line. When you're a good NFL team – it doesn't matter where you are; you should win the game if you're good enough. You're going to win the game, and I think you know the home field advantage is a thing when there's fans. But like Mitch said, there there aren't there haven't really been fans this season. So I mean, other than you know you're not in the locker room, you're that familiar with you're not you know you're, you're not in your community, whatever. But okay, you got a three game road stretch now. That's all it is. That's all you got to look at it. Okay, we got a three game road stretch in the same stadium. You know, it's it's the NFL. You have to be able. To, 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 to withstand this kind of
0: stuff. And Talon, that is why you're, you're the coach. That's exactly why you're the coach. Because just from you even saying that, I'm motivated now. I'm, I'm ready to do the show anywhere, okay? <laughs> we can do this anywhere. I'm all for it now. Um, guys, another great episode. Uh, it became kind of the COVID episode just because this is the main topic in the NFL right now. This is what's dominating everything. And for everyone that is listening, we hope that you had a safe, Thanksgiving holiday and that you're staying safe out there because we are in different times. And um, i actually, actually want to sneak this in talent. I'm sorry. I meant to ask you this earlier, but because of the restrictions that are in um, with San Francisco and California in general, has that affected you in any way? Because you are a resident out there.
2: Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, it's, it's definitely pretty strict out here in California and, You know, there, there are guidelines everywhere that we got a 10 PM curfew. We can't be out, you know, past 10 PM and that's from 10 PM to 5 AM. If you're out any, you know, you can get ticketed, you can even get jail time. It's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and it's different from County to County, but as a whole, California is crazy. And in terms of, you know, our high school football season, um, they've pretty much come out and said now that, you know, we were planning on playing in January, you know, that's not going to happen. Now they're looking at hopefully February, hopefully March. Um, They've essentially said there's going to be no state playoffs, so you're essentially playing a conference schedule, and and you're just going to be playing for division titles and and what they call CIF. Out here it's different. With CIF, is different than state. It's it's kind of complicated, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely throwing wrenches in a whole lot of stuff, personally and professionally. So um, but you know what, it's not probably any worse than anybody else is is going through. So you know, you just got to hike up your shorts and um and deal with it.
0: And that is the perfect attitude to have talent. I hope everything is, you know, works out on that side. Mitch, you as well, because I, I know you have, you're you probably dealing with your own uh, restrictions as well um, in your area. For sure. It's, it's been nuts. Uh, I'm in my
3: final semester of school, and I haven't even been in the class for the last three or four weeks just because everything's been shut down because of COVID. But uh, real quick, before we end this podcast, um, I was checking Twitter and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but uh, I haven't watched it fully. But it says that uh, Tyreek Hill's first Steph Mahomes was, was that he was trash. Uh, Bleacher Report put it out. I mean, uh, to quote Tyreek Hill, he said, I thought he was trash. I ain't going to cap. So just wanted to put that out here before the podcast ended.
0: I, I I've, Honestly, I think I find it more enjoyable the fact that you said, I ain't going to cap, that you personally said. I, I love your you, you quoting it, Mitch, made it even better. <laughs> yeah, so Ash uh, <laughs> Mahomes was trash going into this league. It's uh, great stuff. Um, guys, until next week, let's see if the the Chiefs handle business as they should against the Denver Broncos. We'll see where they're at after that. But for everyone listening, please stay safe, and we'll catch you next week. Now it's time for a look back at some of the sound from the press conferences this past week. Hey, career game for you. Congrats on the win. Just take us through your mindset when uh, you're on the sideline making that phone call.
4: (laughs) You know what? Um, I actually saw that uh, on NFL a few days back with the uh, whole Shannon Sharp thing. Uh, I believe uh, those guys were playing the Patriots, and I thought it was, like, seriously the funniest thing I've ever heard. You know, and Shannon – He's a, a, he's from the South too, you know? So, you know, I was like, yeah, hey, I got to show love to my guy, Shannon Sharp, you know, with the help is on the way. That was, was hilarious. Most hilarious thing ever. Go next to Pete Sweeney. Good Pete. Hey Tyree, congrats on the win. Um, I have
1: two things. Uh, first of all, Andy said something about you earning Pat's trust early on in the week, each week. How much do you think that that's your intention when you started a practice week? It's like, let me make sure that Pat knows I'm going to be open.
4: You know what? Uh, each and every week, you know, I try to go out, you know, and be, I mean, each and every week I try to set the mindset of working hard for this team and, you know, giving my all, you know, because, I mean, that's just the way my mom raised me, you know, so, I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm hurt, if I'm, if I'm gimpy, limpy, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go out and, and you know, try to get the trust of, of the QB, you know, so it may be a few plays I may feel sorry for myself, but best believe, you know. I'm going to come back right back to the next play and give Pat 110. And he knows that, you know, so I'm going to continue to do that. And I'm going to continue to like push the other guys to do it, you know, because they do it too. You know, it's not only me, it's McCole, it's Sammy, it's D-Rob, it's Kelsey, you know, those guys are also working hard in practice too, you know, I I just felt. And then secondly, you now, and you may not know this, you narrow over a thousand yards for the season, you
1: lead the NFL in receiving yards. When I say something like that, what does that, that mean to you in, in the course of the
4: season? Uh, it feels good, you know, but I feel like there's still a lot of work for me to do. You know, um, I missed a, I missed a few plays today, you know, that I could have made, you know. Um, the one pat through to me on the wheel, I could have made that play, you know. So I'm always looking to get better, you know. A lot of people, you know, may text me. A lot of people may, you know, give me the glory, give me the shine. But I'm not about that, you know. Um, uh, Keep up. the guy I trained with in Nebraska, he always tell me, man, look, you got to be consistent in what you do. You know, those same people who were showing you love. This week, if you make a bad play, the next week they they gonna hate you, you know. So I, I'm just trying to keep that mindset, you know, just working hard for this team and just, you know, just working hard for myself because I want to be, I want to be the best receiver in the game. So I'm gonna continue to work hard.
3: Back to Sam McDowell. Good Sam.
1: Hey Tyreek, with with the way you've been successful in the underneath stuff this year, with the way teams have defended you over the top. How much do you think that opens up things over the top? Because now you've shown yourself as such a complete receiver on the other stuff.
4: Uh, I don't know. Um, I just feel like teams just go out there and play for it. I I just feel like teams don't don't just game plan for me. You know, I just I don't I don't look into all that. I just go out and play. So,
3: next to Adam Teicher, good Adam.
4: Hey Tyreek, uh, was wondering whether you were surprised to
1: see so much single coverage, at least early in the game.
4: Oh yeah, I mean. Obviously, I'm a return specialist, so I'm 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 going to see a lot of single coverage, you know, throughout the whole game, you know. But um, today was fun. Today was great, you know. Today was competitive for me. But um, Carlton Davis is definitely a good player. I've I've, I've said that numerous of times. Um, so I mean, I've, I've watched film of him throughout the whole season. He's been a baller, you know. So I was I was I was just real excited for the matchup, you know.
3: Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go Nate.
2: Hey, Tyreek, I'm just interested, when you know that you're running a double route, a double move, um, just one, how much does that excite you when you know where you are on the certain side of the field, and then I what mean? makes you so successful on those double routes?
4: I think, the, I think the thing that I think about most, like on the first deep touchdown, uh, the out and up, I was thinking about how far of a run that I had. I was like, you know what, I feel like Pat is going to throw this ball about 70 yards, so. I'm gonna to have to really stretch out here. Like that's the only thing that I be thinking about. I don't, I don't think about nothing. I just be like, man, I'm really gonna be tired after this play, you know? Because if I don't catch it, G. Lou gonna leave. G. Lou and Coach Reed and E. B. They are gonna be like, stay in, stay in, stay in. And then, and then if I do catch it, I gotta run full speed to the end zone. So I just be thinking about how tired I'm gonna be, you know?
3: Got time for one more, guys. We'll go last to Todd Lebo. Good Lebo. Hey Tyreek, the big day obviously, and all the touchdowns are fun, but maybe the biggest play might have been the one at the end to ice it. Yeah. Just take me through the, the thoughts that you guys all had in that little four minute offense to try to know that you didn't want Tampa to get the ball back, and how important it was, and how big that
4: play was. Well, that's something that uh, Eric Biani Eric BNB pre- pre- preaches each and every week. You know, um, we work situ we work situational football on Fridays. You know, so we were able to um, sneak that play in. Um, it's like a mini comeback from the inside. You know, with Sammy Rubin. You Know, um, my guy, you know, because it was man to man's and I was able to win, you know. So, I mean, like I said, I, I make it out of glory, I make it out of shine. But Sammy really made that play happen, you know. He made my guy loop over the top, and I was just able to come back for the comeback. Pat threw an amazing throw, and I caught it, so got the first game over.
0: For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.